So we're in Genesis. Somebody say praise the Lord. Steal my brother Feltner's uh, uh, tagline right there. The reason why I want you to say praise the Lord is because I didn't think of anything else to preach other than Genesis this week. Amen. I thought, man, we really need to get into this Genesis thing because this chapter, there's two big things that happen in this chapter that we're going to talk about. And we're only going to get to one side of it today. In this chapter of Genesis 13, there's two big things that happen. Number one, Lot and Abram separate. Amen. And then the last part of the chapter, God reaffirms his covenant with Abraham, or excuse me, with Abram again. Amen. Right after Abram says, hey, Lot, pick wherever you want to live in Canaan. I'll let you live there. Go your way and I'll go mine. And irregardless that he gave that land away, the minute that him and Lot separate, God reaffirms to Abram that I will give you everything that your eye can see. Amen? So God, even though Abram's being generous and saying, Lot, you pick wherever you want to go, God eventually is saying, I'm still giving it to you. Amen? Now, I'm not going to get to the last half of this where God reaffirms his covenant with Abram. I just dropped like half my notes out of this book. It's a good thing they're numbered, right? Yeah. Mike's like, we might get out of here earlier if the notes are disappearing. <laughs> Hold on, let me, now that you're, now that you said something, oh, uh, don't worry about, this is from June anyway, okay, you're, you're out of luck, it wasn't tonight's notes. <laughs> okay, so we're going to start at uh, chapter 13, verse 1. Now, we're going to kind of recap just for a minute before before we read, now let's go ahead and read it and then we'll recap, okay? Verse 13, we're going to read, or verse 1 to verse uh, 13, yeah. Verse 1 to verse 13 of chapter 13. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he, his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle in silver and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south even to Bethel unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And Abram called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also, which was went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell there together. For their substance was great, so that they could not dwell there together. And there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanites and the Perizzites dwelled there, uh, dwelled then in the land, excuse me. 
And Abram said unto Lot, There be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdsmen and thy herdsmen, for we be brethren. For it is not for excuse me, is not the whole land before thee. Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt go take the left hand, then I will go to the right. If thou depart unto the right hand, then I will go left. And Lot lifted up his, his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us tonight. Lord, we know that these stories have been told over and over, and we may have heard them over and over. And God, we ask tonight that you would help us not to think of these as more mundane stories that we have to endure but give us fresh eyes and obedient and upright hearts, Lord, that we might listen with ears wide open. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that would receive your message for us tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we ended last week. If you turn uh, your Bible back to the beginning of chapter 13 where you can see the end of chapter 12 uh, it said that he commanded uh, oh, excuse me uh, verse 20 it says and Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him and they sent them away his wife and all that he had remember that's how chapter uh, 12 ended so Abram is forced to leave Egypt but he's also protected by God from his own self, making dumb decisions like, hey, tell him you're my sister, right? Had it not been for the covenant that God made with Abram, we don't know if that situation would have turned out the way it did. Amen? He was protected from himself and blessed by Pharaoh all because God is faithful to his covenants. God is faithful and unfailing in his promises. And this is the only thing that kept Sarah from being taken as another man's wife. Because had it not been for God afflicting Pharaoh with plagues, she would have still been in Egypt. Amen? And how long do you think Abram would have been able to stay down there watching his wife hang out with Pharaoh? Just think about that for a second. Not very long. Amen? So Abram 
to paraphrase John Calvin, comes back to the safety of the land that God had promised to him. In Calvin's commentary on this first verse where it says that Abram went out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. When, when Calvin comments on this, he says, and Abram, God not only brought Abram out of Egypt with more wealth, but he brought him back to the safety of the land that he promised him. And that statement from Calvin, I, I hadn't really thought of that, but we mentioned last week that Abram left the promised land to go down to Egypt. He left the very place that God told him to go to, to go down into Egypt. Amen? Now this week we're, we're going to see another side of that coin and kind of gain an understanding of what happened going down there and God's plan for him to go down there. Amen? But we also see that God was working to bring Abram back to this place. Amen? Uh, number one, I want to deal with verse one because it's interesting here. Now, can y'all do a little bit of uh, uh, imagining for me for just a second? So we got a map, and right about here, this is Bethel, okay? And they went south into Egypt, right? Now, if you don't know north from south, east from west, or language words that are used differently like they are right here, you might think that Abram, when he leaves Egypt, goes south. Read the first line. Read what it says. And Abram went out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. Isn't that what it says in your Bible, Mike? Verse 1, chapter 13. says he goes into the south. What does yours say? He went into the Negev. Right. See, this is where language and the use of words makes the difference because although Abram is heading into the south or into the Negev, the Negev is not just a direction. The Negev is, a, is the lower half of Judah that doesn't really have a specified border, okay? So when it says that he went up out of Egypt, you need to pay attention to that first of all, okay? It says, and Abraham or Abram went up out of Egypt, okay? So he went up out of Egypt. So we understand he's not going south, he would be going north, right? So into the southland or the Negev, okay? That word Negev is used in verse 8 of chapter 12. If you want to go flip over there, Abram has traveled from Haran down to uh, Shechem and down to Moriah, and then he gets to Bethel, and he's traveling south the whole time from Haran down to Shechem, down to uh, uh, Moriah, and down to Bethel. In verse 8 of chapter 12, he says, He removed thence unto the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and ha uh, 
Hai or Ai on the east, and there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And if you look right there on verse 9, it says, And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. Okay? Now I want you to notice the difference in wording. It says he's going on toward the south. So in this instance, Negev could mean literally south. Amen? But in the instance of chapter 13, verse 1, there's no way that the word Negev is talking about the direction south. It has to be talking about the area of the Negev, that is the southern portion of Judah, where Abram was heading towards. And how do I know that? Well, because he ends up in Bethel. So he had to have been going north to end up in Bethel after leaving Egypt. Amen. He went north. He went north into Israel, but he was in the southern part of Israel, the Negev. Amen. All right. I just want to clear that because some people are like, oh, no. And I've watched people who don't really parse out words real well get on Facebook and argue with folks. And they're like, no, it says he went south. So he went further into Egypt. No, he didn't. It says he went to Bethel. So. You have to understand that word right there is not referring to the direction south, but a place that is considered the southern part of Israel or the southern part of Canaan at the time. Amen? Right. But at the time, it wasn't Israel. At the time, it was just the land of Canaan, but it was the southern portion of Canaan. Amen? Now, a couple other points I want to bring out here before I even touch a a study Bible here, but uh, verse 2, verse 2 it says, And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. Now, nowhere else uh, to this point have we heard that Abram was rich. We knew that Abram had substance. We knew that he had people going with him. Well, we didn't hear anything about him being rich. Well, not only that, and, and that is a good point, and that is definitely where I'm going with this point, but I think we need to understand that this has been accumulated over his whole journey. He's went from Ur of the Chaldeans to Haran. From Haran, he went on down to uh, into Israel, down to... Sechem down to Moriah, down to Bethel, amen? And all this way that he's traveled, he is gathering things while he's going. You know, that's what Bedouin people do, you know what I mean? If they see stray goats or stray cows or stray whatever, they're going to just try to bring them in there to their herd, right? They're going to acquire things, people, while they're on their way. Now, I would make the argument that Mike's making that they pick up a lot of this from his lie in Egypt, okay? They acquire all of this stuff. If you turn back to uh, chapter uh, 12, verse 16, it says, And he, Pharaoh, entreated Abram well for her sake. For whose sake? Sarai. And he had sheep and ox 
and he asses and men servants and maid servants and she asses and camels. Now, when I wrote this down in my notebook, if you don't want to write that the way it's written in the King James English, okay, you can write it like I wrote. He had, <laughs> he had sheep and ox and donkeys and slaves and camels. You don't have to do the he and she, uh, you know. Unless you're counting the he donkeys and the she donkeys, I don't think it really matters. <laughs> you know, uh, unless you're counting the men servants and the maid servants, I don't think it matters. Now, I will say what I said last week. One of these maid servants ends up being Hagar, the the woman that that Sarah gives Abram to to make a baby and. We'll, he gets Ishmael, and God's like, no, we, we're not going to make the covenant with him. It's going to be through Sarah's seed, through Isaac. Amen? But we understand right here in verse 16 is probably where the Egyptian slave, the Egyptian servant, Hagar, is picked up. Amen? Uh, so I just wanted to note that I think it's probably an accumulation of wealth that was going on the whole time. Because the way he goes, Ur of the Chaldeans is over here, okay? He had to go north and west to get up to Haran. And then they came south down to Ai and Bethel and, and Moriah and then into Egypt. And the whole way... They're probably just gathering whatever they can on the way, okay? Uh, verse 3, we see the same word again. We see this word to the south or from the south. It's the same word, the Negev. The Hebrew word Negev is, in, if you have a concordance, Mike, it's Hebrew word 5045, Okay? It literally means south country or Nekeb or south region of Judah, boundaries that are not specific. So it can mean directly south or it can mean this region. Amen. Now I want to note the reading of this. It says, verse 3, and he went on his journey from the south even to Bethel. So that's where we're getting our direction from, okay? If we're thinking about tracking Abraham's movement from Egypt up to Bethel, this verse right here says that he went from the south to Bethel. Amen? It's exactly the wording that's used. So he went from the south up to Bethel. Now here's the interesting part. Unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai. So Abram doesn't just leave Egypt and go wandering. It seems as if Abram leaves Egypt and goes right back to where he planted his stake, between Bethel and Ai, where he had pitched his tent before. Amen? What does this mean? Abram went home, right? Now watch this. To further emphasize this, we get verse 4. Unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. 
And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now, what other altar did he put there that he called out unto the name of the Lord? Now, he built two in chapter 12. Remember? Go to verse 7. Verse 7, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land, and there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Now this is not the altar that they're talking about. Okay? If you read verse 8, you'll get the altar that he's talking about. Because there's an altar built in verse 7, and then there's an altar built in verse 8. Verse 8 says, and he removed thence. That means he left the place that he had just built that altar. Okay? He removed thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord. And notice the words, and he called upon the name of the Lord. Amen? So not only are we getting very specific location, we're getting also Abram's devoutness to go back to the place where he met God and God met with him and he called on the name of the Lord here. So he comes back. Amen. He comes back to this place. I want to read just a few notes that I jotted down. Uh, verse 3 from South uh, from the south to Bethel, that's the direction he was going, he pitched his tent in the same place that it had been, between Bethel and Ai. Verse 4, Abram comes back to the altar he built when the Lord had appeared unto him, or he doesn't come back to the altar that the Lord appeared unto him, he comes back to the altar between Bethel and Ai, and he again calls on the name of the Lord. Now watch this. I want to read to you just one uh, quick note from my King James Study Bible from this verse. And I thought it was applicable to what we're talking about. Abram's physical return to the place where God first spoke to him in the promised land was paralleled by a spiritual recommitment of his life to God. The, for the first time since he left for Egypt, Abram called upon the name of the Lord. This is important, okay? I want you to understand, before he left to go to Egypt, verse 8 of chapter 12, right? That was the first thing he did before he left to go south into the Negev. The first thing he did was built an altar and called upon the name of the Lord. Then he goes to Egypt, gets in the mess, comes out blessed, comes back, and the first thing he does is call on the name of the Lord at the altar that he built before he left for the journey. Amen? Do we remember why he left for the journey? Why did he go south into Egypt? Huh? Famine. He left to go south because of famine. But before he left, he left trusting God with what he was doing. 
Can I get an amen on that? I think every single Christian person ought to realize before they go and do anything that they need to trust God with the things that they're employing, the things that they're going to do, the things that they're setting out to do. They ought to give it to God and let God have his part because God, look, the Bible says that, that a man makes his plans, but God orders his steps. Amen. And although Abram's plan was just to go down and get away from this famine, he sure probably didn't plan on meeting Pharaoh and lying to Pharaoh. Can I get amen? He didn't plan for all that. Now, I'm sure God, in all of his sovereignty, was going, look, Abram, you got to go down into Egypt and come out with this wealth so that you can start to be uh, encounter the promises that I promised you. What did he say? I'm going to make you great. Give you a great name. Amen. Make your name great. You're going to be blessed. Amen. Notice the other one. He said, I will bless those that bless you and curse those who curse you. And Pharaoh didn't even know what he was getting himself in for by taking Sarai into his house. But the minute he took her in there, he, he, the plague started coming on him. And he was like, hold on. I brought this little Hebrew lady in here. And all of a sudden, we're, things are going bad. Hold on. He lied to me. Now, first of all, how did he know he lied to him? What gave it away? Because it doesn't tell us. Scripture doesn't give us an indication of how he came to know this. Okay? It just says that he came to know it. <laughs> Go look. It's what it says. Verse 17 of chapter 12. Uh, and the Lord plagued Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this that you have done unto me? It's just like Pharaoh just knows it. He just knows that Abram lied to him. It doesn't tell us how he knows this information. doesn't give us any indication how he knows it. The only thing that could possibly have spoken to Pharaoh is the plagues that the Lord put on him. That's the only thing that we could say spoke to Pharaoh enough because it doesn't say, hey, God went and spoke to Pharaoh. It doesn't say God revealed it to Pharaoh's heart. It doesn't say any of that. It just says Pharaoh was plagued by the Lord. And then all of a sudden Pharaoh knows Abram lied to him. Right? God spoke to Abimelech. That's right. Told him, you, you're going to die. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he spoke to this Pharaoh. He could have. It just doesn't say that. <laughs> Amen? Now, I thought it was very interesting that Abram prayed before he left and prayed when he got back. Amen? And I think this is definitely something that Christians need to take note of. Amen? Whatever we're employed to do, we need to be, it needs to be founded in prayer and it needs to be finished in prayer. Amen? Uh, from verse 3 and 4, we have Abram going back to the beginning place and to the altar he first called upon the name of the Lord at. Genesis 12 and 8. Calvin sees this as Abraham showing his piety and devotion to God and sees a constant worship of God 
by Abraham and ha or that it's probable that Abraham was ongoing in his worship with the Lord. Because if you took all of them, all the instances where Abram talks to God or, or makes a proclamation to God, Abraham only pr prayed 12 times in his life? I don't think so. I, I think I would side with Calvin and say that Abram probably prayed more than that. This was probably just special occasions where he was declaring his piety to God, where he was saying, hey, I'm following you. I'm recommitting myself, you know, um, which is kind of what we get out of this because Abram didn't go down there and, you know, just perform flawlessly in Egypt, did he? No, he, he, he kind of told a half-truth, lied, right? God covered for him because God already made a commitment to Abram, so he couldn't back out on it. Do you realize that God doesn't back out on his promises to you? Do you, do you realize that? Even when you fall short, even when you don't, even when you don't fulfill your end of the bargain, even when you're not faithful, even when you're not praying, even when you're not doing just right, God still holds his promises like he has to keep them because he's faithful to what he says. Amen? Notice, had he put conditions on Abram, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless those that bless you as long as you're good to them. He didn't say that, did he? He said, I'm going to bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. And it has nothing to do with how you act. That's grace. Because the covenant wasn't about Abram. It was about God who was making the covenant with Abram. Amen. Almost every time God said, I'm going to make a covenant with you. Amen. Notice when he gives the law, it changes. He said, this is the covenant between thee and me. That's what he says when he's giving the covenant to Moses. He says, and this is the covenant that I am making between thee and me. With Abraham, it was from God, for God, by God, about God. He said, this is the covenant I'm making with you. And that's what's in Christ. The covenant that God makes in Christ is not, this is the covenant I'm making between thee and me. It is, this is the covenant I'm making with you. That's why we're not heirs according to the promise of the law through Moses. We're heirs according to the promises of Abram. Abraham. Amen? We've got to understand that. It's relevant to our Christian life. He called on the name of the Lord before he left, and he called upon the name of the Lord before he left. Now watch this. Lot, verse 5, this gets lost. I want you to, we're going to walk through the grammatics, the grammatical uh, wording here. Verse 5, it says, Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Now, if you have one flock, you could be a poor shepherd. Okay? If you had one herd, you could be a poor herdsman. 
But Lot was not poor because Lot had flocks, plural, and herds, plural, and tents, plural. Amen? So I want you to get that. Lot didn't, it wasn't like Abram had all this over here and Lot had his little thing over here. It was Lot and Abram had so much substance that the land wouldn't support them. Amen? I don't know how the ESV says it because I didn't actually read it out of there this week. I know, shocked face, right? <clears throat> so I'm going to go read it. <clears throat> verse 5 and 6 in verse thir or chapter 13. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. Now that's the biggest thing that we need to put into here. The reason that he, the reason that, who's writing this? Remember who's writing it? Moses, right? Moses is writing this. Why is he telling me Lot has all this stuff? Because he's wanting you to see that what God promised Abram was already happening. I'm going to bless you and make you a blessing. Amen? Because we don't have any proof that Lot left Haran with anything. Okay? We don't have any proof that Lot left Haran with anything. But by the time they come out of Egypt, Lot has flocks and herds and tents. And his substance is so great that it creates strife between Abram's herds people and Lot's herds people. Right? Now, this isn't the main point that I want to get to in here, so we're going to cruise past this as fast as we can. Can I get an amen? Now, verse 7. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Amen? That's ESV. Now, here's another point that was brought out in the ESV Bible that I didn't ever think of, Okay? Notice that it says right after there was a, a strife between the herdsmen of Abram and the herdsmen of Lot. It says, and the Canaanite and Perizzites dwelled in the land. The ESV study Bible says something on this verse that I never, ever thought of, okay? Was it the ESV study Bible? No, I think it's the King James study Bible. Look here, watch this. No, it was. I got I got I got the wrong verse, that's all. Oh, right here, verse six, okay? Where it says in verse six, the land was not able to bear their substance. They extrapolate from verse six, where it says the land was not able to bear them, that not only is it because of Abram's uh, substance and Lot's substance being so large, but the fact that there's other people living here too, because it's not just their land yet, is it? There's still the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivite, all these other ites are still living in this land, okay? Abram, Abraham hasn't went to war with anybody. Nobody's been driven out of the land. And as a matter of fact, Nobody's driven out of the land until the time of Joshua. Can I get an amen on that? 
So they go all the way into captivity. They get taken. They, they leave the land of promise to go to Egypt through Joseph. They stay in Egypt. They go into captivity. And it isn't until Joshua leads them into the land of Canaan and they start driving out the people there. Amen? So the Canaanites and the Perizzites are living in the same land. So not only do you have the Canaanites and the Perizzites, now you have Abram's, all the Abram's people and all the Lot's people and all their stuff and all their cattle all trying to live off the same grass. It's a problem. Amen? It's a problem most people who have cows or goats or sheep understand because grazing and having a place for your uh, animals to graze one part and move to the next part is important. Amen? Uh, verse 8. Abram is the one that diffuses the situation. Look what Abram, look what Abram says. And I want you to get this. Verse 8. Abram said unto Lot, There be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdsmen and thy herdsmen, for we are brethren. Now, Abram's like, look, we're kinfolk. We're in land with the Canaanites and the Perizzites, and we don't know if any time they could just say, okay, we want you out of here. We probably ought to get along. Amen? So he tells him. You choose. Now this is, Abram's been promised this land for him. But Abram goes, I'll give you the choice. Not only does he say, I don't want any strife, I'm going to let you choose the choice land. Wherever you want to go, Lot, you go there, and I'll go the other way. Amen? Verse 9, he says, is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go right. If thou depart unto the right hand, then I will go left. Now here's the thing that really struck me about this portion of Lot and Abram's separation. Okay, And this is the one that I wrote most of my notes on. Because this portion is probably a pivotal moment. I won't say probably, probably if you know the biblical story. This is a pivotal moment in both Lot's life and Abram's life. Amen? Now watch where Lot's eyes fall. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld the plain of Jordan. And it was well watered everywhere. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord. Like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zohar. Now, this is giving you a description of the plain of Jordan. Now, how many of you know which side of the Jordan River Sodom and Gomorrah are on? If you got a fancy King James Bible like Mike, you can see that, that well, I guess it doesn't show you on here where Sodom and Gomorrah are on. But in my Bible, it does. And I can show you on my in my Bible if you want. But suffice it to say, here's the Jordan River. You all look at me. Everybody say amen if you're looking at me. All right, here's the Jordan River. Now, everything on the west side of the Jordan River is what? The land of Canaan. 
That's when Joshua comes to the land of Canaan, they have to cross the Jordan River to get into the land of Canaan. Can I get an amen? That's what happens, right? So everything on the east side is the plain of Jordan. And at the bottom of the Dead Sea, that's where Sodom and Gomorrah are on the east side of the Jordan River. Okay, and where Abram ends up staying in Mamre is on the west side of the Jordan River in the land of Canaan. And that's exactly where the description gives you that Abraham lives. Amen. So I'm going to bring this Bible around to you or let you pass it around. I want you to note. Let me find my map here so you can see it on this map. Because mine has Sodom and Gomorrah on it, and I want you to see it. Look at here. You take this and pass it around to them. Now, Sodom and Gomorrah are right here. This is Mamre where Abram goes. Okay? So you take that, show them if they want to see it. Hold your hand up if you want to see it. Kyle will bring it to you. But it's important for us to know that for a couple reasons. Number one... God promised them what land? What land did he promise Abram? The land of Canaan. Amen. Sodom and Gomorrah were not even in the land promised to Abram. Lot was trying to go away from where Abram was. Amen. And he went too far away from Abram. Why do we know that? Well, number one. In just another chapter, war begins and Lot gets captured. In Sodom, Lot gets captured. And then Abram has to go and rescue him, right? So he brings him back and Lot goes back to Sodom. And then God has to come and rescue Lot and his daughters out of Sodom because Lot's mind, heart, is fixed on earthly things and just on his own pleasure, his own comfort, his own, oh, I can get by because this place is well watered. This is well, uh, how does it describe it again? Let's go back and read that description because that's a very important description in verse uh, 10. Lot lifted up his eyes and behold all the plain of Jordan. And it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest to Zohar. And Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, which absolutely agrees with what we just looked at in that uh, map, right? He went east down to Sodom and Gomorrah. That's exactly where he went. Okay? Lot journeyed east and separated themselves one from another, did they? Right? Now, them going, him taking that choice, Lot here chooses Sodom and Gomorrah, a place that later on he will have to be rescued from, not once, but twice. Amen? Now, here's what I also wrote. 
Far too often what looks like fertile, well-watered land and smooth sailing carries with it battles and perils that we do not foresee. So often we only see what tantalizes the eye, what makes us long to have something. The things about that, uh, the, the things that tantalize our eyes about that thing and we do not see the dangers that it poses. It's like one of those fish that live at the bottom of the ocean with the little thing that hangs out in front of its face. What do they call that fish? Uh, oh, an angler fish. It's called an angler fish and it's got this great big long antenna that comes out and it's got a little fluorescent piece of skin that lights up. He can make it light up. And fish will swim up there to it, and then all of a sudden, that fish has got all kinds of jaggedy-looking, scary teeth. Eats them. And that's how the lot was looking at Sodom. It was well-watered everywhere. Right? It's like the Garden of God. But he didn't realize, the closer I moved to this civilization, <laughs> the closer I'm moving to trouble and all the troubles that civilization bring. Because it was the next chapter where war breaks out and Lot's taken captive by warring tribes on that side of the river. And Abram, over in Mamre, he's fine because there's no war going on over there. Amen? He's in the land of Canaan. Lot isn't. He's not even staying. The, the lesson that we could take, one of the lessons anyway, is that he probably should have stayed closer to Abram where he was blessed in the first place. Amen? Because the blessing didn't lie with Lot. It lay with Abram. It did not lie with Lot. And Lot looked at his substance and said, man, look at all this stuff I got. And then he looked at the plains and said, man, look how well watered that is. I'll be able to keep all this stuff going. Lot gets taken captive, doesn't say that he has anything left, and then he goes to Sodom and lives there. He's living in town. I would submit to you that he didn't have any flocks, any herds left, any tents left. Because he was living in Sodom. Every blessing that he had when he was with Abram was gone. By the time that shows up. Amen. Lot chose. I like how the words this. Verse 11. Then Lot chose him all the plain of the Jordan. And Lot journeyed east. And they separated themselves one from another. Verse 12. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan. And we know that for a fact. Amen. And Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent towards Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. This is where I'm leaving this discussion because all too often we'll ignore 
the wickedness of others like Lot did. Lot had to have ignored the wickedness of the men of Sodom to have wanted to go and dwell there. And maybe it reveals in Lot what it would reveal in all of us, that Genesis 6 is very accurate, that the heart of man is continually wicked, always. Every thought, every inclination of man's heart is wicked, always. And Lot, like many of us, we, I've got all this stuff and Oh, you know, I don't have to go in there. I'm just going to go live by Sodom. By ignoring the wicked men of Sodom and the wicked lives that they lived. And it wasn't just a little wickedness. It says they were sinners exceedingly before the Lord. Lot ignores all that. Moves over there by Sodom. And by, I think it's chapter 19, Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed. Lot has nothing and he's living in a cave. Because moving by Sodom and Gomorrah turned into being caught up in what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah turned to, I'm going to go back and live in Sodom and then I have to be rescued again from that place. And that's exactly how sin works itself out in our life. You want to just dabble in it here and dabble in it there. And then all of a sudden you're stuck. You're trapped. You've been pulled in. Amen. The Bible says, let no man say that God's tempting him when he's tempted because we're all led away, drawn away by our own lusts, our own desires. Amen. And, 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 and then we're drawn and then we, we sin and then when sin has its, when sin conceives, it produces death. Amen? And that's what happened to our brother Lot when he chose to go the direction of Sodom and Gomorrah and say, oh, I'm just going to pitch my tent over there by him. He ended up being in the middle of it. And it cost him everything. The separation of Lot from Abram is a practical decision that Abram felt he had to make. But Lot had the choice. He could have went the other way. He could have went the other direction away from Sodom and Gomorrah. Amen? This shows very poignantly that human beings are culpable for their choices. And what you sow, that's what you're going to reap. Amen? Well, Abram still kind of gets what... Abraham, Abraham, Abraham does get blessed, but there's lots of mistakes that happens in Abram's life. And God does protect him. But it's not because... Abram's perfect, it's because God's perfect. Even when, and it goes to another point, Abram or Lot should have taken Abram's covenant with God much more serious 
than he did. Amen? Because if he would have really understood God was making a covenant with Abram, why would he have left? I mean, I would have been like, no, my herdsmen are going to be subject to you. You know, I'm not leaving you. That's the dumbest thing on the planet. Right? You're blessed. You're the guy God's chosen. Why do I want to leave you? Amen? But because he had a desire to be great, desire to grow his herd and be. Amen? He went over towards Sodom where everything looked good and ended up real bad. Amen? I think sometimes we need to do that in our own life. We need to walk away from the things that just look real good. Carmen's like, yeah, I went that bad route. It ain't working out very good either. I'm, I'm playing. I mean this with everything in me. This story should be a much more important story to us than it is because Lot leaving him and choosing Sodom and choosing that direction speaks volumes to what the human being, what the desire of the human heart really is. We really, deep down, left to our own device, out of covenant with God, not in relationship with God. We will choose Sodom and Gomorrah every time. Amen? If that can't be learned out of there, I don't know what else could. Abram was the one with the promise. Lot wasn't. Lot left to his own device without any connection to God. Chose Sodom and Gomorrah. Just like you would. Just like I would. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you and praise you for your word. Lord, we thank you for. We thank you, Lord, for the power of your word. That is able to teach us, rebuke us, train us, and correct us. God, we know that your word will help us to be fully furnished for every good work. God, let us read this with fresh eyes and fresh hearts and understand it brand new. Lord, that we need you, a relationship with you. We need to be in covenant with you, and we need to choose your plan your place and the land that you've given us lord and our land is christ our promises are christ our eternal destiny is christ help us live for that we ask this in jesus name amen and amen